What does being Ghanaian mean to you? My name is Abena Sewa, the editor of Akadi magazine, and you're listening to the Identity Series, a collection of profiles that explore what being Ghanaian means to you. In this episode, we look at the impact that language has on identity through the experiences of Jamila. Jamila was born in Finland to Ghanaian parents and is fluent in Ga, English and German. She caught the attention of the public in December 2020 when she spoke about her love of speaking Ga. Her video went viral on social media and racked up over 45,000 views. We caught up with Jamila to explore how her proficiency in the Ga language informs her identity. Jamila, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you're well. It's my pleasure and I am very well and very happy to be here with you. Good. One thing that really interested me about your story is the fact that you're a polyglot. You speak a number of different languages, well, more than me. So could you just tell us a bit about yourself? <laughs> um, so I have lived in Europe my whole life. I was born in Finland and that's technically my first language. I grew up speaking Finnish, but I moved to England at the age of six, I think, and had to learn English. And in order to facilitate that as best as possible, my parents agreed that it would be the best idea for us to not speak Finnish anymore at home because it would be confusing us. And so I started speaking English and learning English. And Finnish wasn't my only first language. I mean, my parents spoke Ga with us right from the beginning. So I was a little child speaking Ga and Finnish and then Ga in English. Since then, like I said, I've dropped Finnish, but I've picked up German. I picked up another arguably more useful European language. Yeah, I live and work in Germany. It's kind of become my main language alongside English. You know, I think in that language. I dream in that language sometimes. And as for Gar, that language is so intrinsic to who I am as a person. I couldn't imagine me without that language. Fantastic. And you've also got an accent as well, which sounds northern. Yes, yes. So I lived in Leeds. That's mm. me putting on a little bit more for you. Lived, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, around corner and all that. Um, <laughs> that's where we, we first moved to London, but I think my mum decided it was a bit too hectic to raise a family. Uh, so we moved up north to Leeds. And sometimes my accent changes a little bit depending on who I'm talking to. Ultimately, the vowel sounds give it away that I'm Yorkshire, that's at heart. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's lovely. And I just love how you're able to flip between the different languages that you speak. And I'm intrigued to know how you've been able to keep up your ga. It's like second nature to me. It's so important to me that I speak. So um, the video which kind of brought all this about I managed to get some people who speak Ga in Germany and in the UK to reach out to me. They reached out and were like, hey, girl, like, I'm Ga too. And so now I've got these two new friends who I speak to in Ga to me. Ga is something that I cannot let diminish. I cannot let it leave my person. Like when I speak to my mom, I'm speaking to her in Ga or like a mix of Ga and English. When I speak to my siblings, 
And we can't really write girl like that, not super well, but we will still try to phonetically write out the words. And it's it's funny, it's fun, it's it's interesting. Kind of the same way that I kept my German up when I left my year abroad and went back to finish my degree. You have to let it feel second nature, you have to immerse yourself. So as much as I don't necessarily listen to girl music or watch girl media, I talk a lot. And so sometimes I'll talk to myself in girl which makes me sound like a crazy person, but I think most geniuses, including Einstein, speak to themselves more than not. So, you know. So you're just, a genius. <laughs> I, I mean, you said it. You get yes. me. Those came from your mouth. <laughs> okay, I get that. Okay, so yeah, I mean, you, you've talked about why speaking guy is so important to you and how it makes you feel as well. So my question is, how important is language then to your identity as a Ghanaian? Oh my God, it's so important. I'll be the first to admit it. I'm so Europeanized. I know a lot of Ghanaians listening to this now will shudder when I say this, but I eat fufu with a spoon. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of person I am. Like, very Europeanized, Westernized, whatever, however you want to call it. And I sometimes find it a bit difficult to connect to my Ghanaian-ness, especially because I haven't been to Ghana in 11 years and I, I'm not particularly close to family in Ghana and my only connections to Ghana are my family in England. Like if I couldn't speak Ghana, I even feel like there's even a less of a chance that I would be taken seriously as a Ghanaian with all of my, you know, fufu eating with a spoon ways. It's like, I don't speak Cree, which is the main language that most people know or speak. The second you say, oh, I'm Ghanaian, you hear Etta saying, and I'm yeah. like, I'm very yeah. like not confident and not comfortable with it. Yeah. But if somebody speaks to me in Ga, whoa, it, it's a game changer because that's when I feel like I can step into the shoes of my ghanaian and nobody can tell me Pim. Like when I'm speaking Ga, nah, you can't tell me that I'm not a Ga. But if I didn't have this language, I would maybe feel less Ghanaian. Wow, that is really powerful. Mm. So, so it's interesting that it filtered into this, this ability to speak. And if you didn't have that because you eat fufu with a spoon and you live in Europe, you feel like that diminishes your Ghanaianness. That is really powerful. It's kind of, I don't want to say sad, but my mom always tells me you're an African, you're a Ghanaian. Nobody can take that away from you, whether you speak the language or not, whether you eat fufu with a spoon or not, whether you like wache or not. But it is like that sometimes, especially being a person of color living in Europe where you're constantly made to feel like you're not European enough, even though I was born in Finland and have lived here my whole life. There is also the other side where I'm not super Afrocentric, you know, I'm basically head to toe in Zara, like... (laughs) (laughs) European as it gets it's not that you want to prove yourself to anybody it's not that you you have to prove yourself to anybody but in the same vein you kind of do Mm. I didn't have a Finnish passport nobody would believe I was Finnish because I don't look it and I don't speak the language anymore so if if I don't have a Ghanaian passport which I don't I feel like if I didn't speak the language just because I cook a banging jollof rice or just that doesn't make you Ghanaian like how many Black men or black women, Africans, are married to white people who learn the culture, learn how to cook the foods. That still doesn't make them Ghanaian or whatever country you might be from. The very fact that your parents are Ghanaian 
doesn't that almost mean you don't have to prove anything? I mean, in an ideal world, that should be enough, right? Mm. Unfortunately, it's really not. And I've had even other Africans, other people of colour, other Ghanaians make me feel like I'm less than maybe even for not speaking tree. And I, this is like the most 21st century jarring millennial experience I can give. But I was on Instagram and I saw some posts of some Ghanaian girls talking about jollof rice. And I can't remember exactly the context, but some Ghanaian guy commented and he was being quite rude. So I, I don't know, I said Kwashia or something to him. Mm. He replied in tree and I said, I don't speak tree because I'm a guy, mm. but you have respect for, you know, your, your women or something like this. And he said, nobody in Ghana cares about ga. If you don't speak tree, then, you know, you're irrelevant or something like that. And of course, wow. it's, of course, I didn't deep it, but that's the way he thinks. And I'm sure it's representative of a way that a lot of people think that, look, if you don't speak tree or if you're not super Afrocentric, if you don't go to church and hang out with all the guys afterwards, then if you don't, if you don't really go out of your way to wear Ghanaian-ness on your, you know, on your chest, then they're not going to consider you as a Ghanaian. And whereas here, it's like people see the color of my skin and they are immediately considering me as other or African, which is, you know, just. But they don't want to give me that European side. And then when I'm amongst Africans or Ghanaians or people of color, it's like, well, okay, her skin might be like this, but is she really Ghanaian though? Yeah, no, I hear that a lot. I think what's sad is that there's this quite narrow perception of what it means to be Ghanaian which is what we're we're exploring if you think about how old Ghana is anyway and before Ghana was Ghana it was something else the Mm. cultures that have made up that make up Ghana are are so much older than that and yet we're defining ourselves in this really small pool it just seems sad and I mean I know of people who they were adopted their parents were both Ghanaian but it's almost like Mm. they can't claim that because they don't speak the language they don't know the culture all of those things and yet we're in this space now where we have year of return beyond the return this call Mm. to get African Americans and the diaspora Africans of the diaspora to come home and a lot of those things will be an issue if we're going to take those as the litmus test to be Ghanaian or to be African so it's it's sad that you're you're saying that I feel like there's people who have less than you that can't speak the language and maybe they feel more Ghanaian or as Ghanaian or whatever so it's interesting that you said that it's almost like people Mm. are defined by what other people think how Ghanaian they think they are because why wouldn't Ga be a a justifiable ethnic group to call yourself a Ghanaian exactly and the the thing is I consider myself a Ghanaian I do that means might be completely different to somebody who's super Ghanaian, how they, in their eyes, how they would justify themselves. Mm. For mm. example, my mom is someone who I would say is super Ghanaian. She was born in Ghana. She's Ghana through and through. However, her definition of what it might, you know, well, I know that her definition is if your mom and your dad are from Ghana, then you are Ghanaian. That's the way my mom sees it. When people ask me, where do you come from? I, I don't have an answer. Or I have an answer, but it's not a straightforward one. I tell them that I don't feel like I belong anywhere because I'm pretty sure that if I would go to Ghana, I would also feel like the odd one out. And I, I'm kind of sick of being othered everywhere I am because of that. 
um, environments are different. And so as a third culture kid, I just don't feel like I belong anywhere. But I do believe that I can be anywhere, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm not going to let the fact that I don't feel like I belong anywhere stop me from going places and living my life. It's basically what I'm trying to Completely. And I think you're not alone, even though you feel like if you went to Ghana, you'd be alone. A lot of us that Mm. were born outside feel exactly the same way. And Mm. I guess my own personal resolution has been to create that identity or create that Mm. space that is for you or that meets that need for you. And I I think that's that's why we're exploring that topic. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm I'm quite interested in something that you'd said to me about how every language has its own personality yeah and I think you talked about guy in particular having an intimacy that maybe German doesn't have so could you talk to us about that a bit more I believe every language most definitely has a a personality and this is reflected in the people if you look at the people of the country or of a nation you can see what the personality of their language is and I believe that guy is a very warm language. I believe that guy is very inviting. I believe that guy is very passionate. And I want to use the word hot, but by hot, I mean fiery and with energy. And that is exactly how I would describe Ghanaians. As well. However, I would say that German, it's a very cold language. When you speak to someone in German, you're very direct. I beat around the bush a lot in English as well, specifically. But when I speak German, I am telling people straight. Like I'm getting straight to the point because that's how the language is set up. It's how it's built. And I would say that when you have languages that are more fiery, more passionate, there is more of an intimacy involved because you can kind of connect with people on a level that not just based on words but the way that you transfer the words the way that you relay the words the way that you your mannerisms and everything that goes with not just what you're saying but how you're saying it whereas with German it is quite yeah straightforward and direct and that's not a bad thing but it's just most definitely a different thing that's really interesting I like the way you've unpacked it you had talked also about how you want to keep this language alive when you get to the point of having your own children and I wanted to talk Mm. about language endangerment just generally so moving forward when you have your own children how are you going to be able to make sure that they keep the language alive um if I decide to have children or if I if I if I have children I will most definitely speak the language with them and I will basically do what my parents did I mean it's different because my parents were teaching the language of their home. And as I've already expressed, I don't feel like I have a specific home. If I had to pick a place, it would be Europe as a continent. But it's still very important to me that, you know, my kids, if I have them understand what it means to be Ga or what what being Ga means to me, at least, right? Because I can't say what it means to be Ga for everybody, but I can speak on my behalf. And if I don't have kids, I mean, I have two siblings. If they have kids, it would be very important for me to be able to speak Ga with them. And I just think the most important thing we can do to preserve language is to keep speaking it. Because if you don't keep speaking it and you forget that language and later on in your life, you meet somebody who you could have spoken it with, you're going to feel a type of way. So just keep speaking the language, write down whatever you can, record, because imagine in 50 years being able to hear how 
somebody like me speaks Ga. It's not the same way that my grandma speaks Ga. You know, she speaks the proper, not the bluffalized version. And so to be able to track how language is being spoken, recording conversations with your grandparents, if you're, and of course, the media, the film, the music. I mean, I think we have to congratulate your parents on teaching you, you and your siblings. Was it a challenge for your mum to be teaching you the language? I mean, not necessarily herself, but from maybe wider family members. Oh, I'm glad you've asked this question because I first of all want to take this chance to shout out my mum and my late dad who passed 10 years ago. They did an incredible job. My little sister who was born in London speaks Ghana, you know, she's never lived in Ghana. I've never lived in Ghana and all three of their kids are of us are fluent in Ghana and it really is a blessing. But I know for a fact that when we lived in Finland and we only spoke Ghana in Finnish, there was certain family members who were like, wow, okay, you've moved to Europe and your kids don't speak English. But you want us to be proud that they speak Ghana when they don't speak English. And it was kind of looked down upon. But then tables turned because when we went to Ghana in 04 and 11, now we were uh, we were just speaking that guy like, like it was second nature. They were like, oh, wow, you've done so well. It's amazing. It's incredible. So they want to, you know, uplift you on the one hand when they feel like, oh, OK, true, we can communicate with you. But if you're in Europe, they, you know, want to be moving mad and asking you why you're not able to speak English if you are looked down upon. But my parents were really smart. And obviously I give thanks. I'm grateful. Min double sheep. My parents did an amazing job and my mom really made sure that all three of her kids can communicate in the language that is her language. I talked about language endangerment and it's interesting that if you go to Accra now versus maybe 20 years ago, there were more people who were able to speak who were not Ga but who spoke Ga, but maybe that's changing. And I think you had something to say about that as well. Well, the thing was, I had this conversation with my stepdad who's, who speaks Ga. He's not a Ga, but he speaks Ga. And he told me that if you go to Ghana, Accra today, you'll, you'll hear mothers calling their children in English because their children can't speak Ga, they can't speak Tree, they don't speak any Ga language, and they can only speak English. So that's, to me, really bizarre because that plays right into what you said, that this even in Ghana itself, English is taken as the preferred option. For me, it's just something that is so bewildering somehow because it's again showing the impact of colonialism and how everlasting it is that people want to put English on this pedestal and they don't necessarily realise that somebody might not be able to speak English at all but might be able to speak, you know, five African languages. And I don't know, maybe a couple of other European languages, but just speaking English does not make you intelligent, actually. Finnish is, I think, Europe's hardest European language. Learn Finnish or Hungarian, which might be the second one. You, you, we can just talk about how hard you worked to learn that language. But English, when all the movies and all the TV shows and all the advertisements, you're just bombarded with it constantly anyway. It's not that hard to immerse yourself in English. You know, if you're a Ghana in Ghana with some friends who don't speak Ghana, teach them. Somebody, one of the girls actually, or no, both of them, they had said to me, oh yeah, I'm not, I don't feel so confident in Ghana. So like, can we practice with each other and speak with each other and help each other out? And we do. And that's, <laughs> that's my contribution. You know, I'm, I'm out here helping. Actually, you've just proven how 
everyone can play their part. You don't have to be in Ghana to do that. No. And you basically put yourself out there on social media and you've got two people that you can talk to. Yeah. And maybe after this podcast, you'll have more. Yes, that would be great. So, so are you still a celebrity now? What's happening now? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so funny. Like, there was genuinely like a 48-hour period where I was a celebrity. And my mom and my big sister, every second they were telling me about what someone had posted, how funny it was. But, yeah, um, it's definitely died down. I haven't looked at how many views the video has since a few months ago. But, yeah, it was it was really great just to see how many people were, you know, moved and motivated by it. and obviously. People from all over the world, people from New York, people from, you know, different parts of Europe. And one of the girls who reached out to me is actually from Germany. I hope that we'll be able to meet each other soon. I know the way speaking Gar makes me feel. And I want all my Gars, especially Gars in the diaspora and abroad, to be able to also feel the same way. To feel comfortable, to feel at home and to feel seen and acknowledged. So, yeah, I would recommend all Gars to, you know, say... Brilliant. I mean, I was going to ask if you had anything you actually wanted to say in Ga to your fellow Ga listeners. In Ga? Yeah. Putting you on the spot. Sorry, say that again. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I I chance to speak Ga, I rebel. Mintama Kenya Kekakashi, Yabomadaning rigged up. And they actually wah, how are you beer? Cafe. One hour him a fiamma real treat. Nuhu ear fine. She called real gun. Mintamale, Mintama Hanole actually gun. Fair for gun. Rim of fair for. Kahani bofane, rim of gakeke. Rim of gun. Mindabushi. Awesome. Now, for those of us that don't speak or understand, what did you say? So I said that ga is a beautiful language. It's difficult for us, yes, because most people are out here speaking tree. But if you speak God, just keep speaking it. Just keep speaking the language. Stay strong. Reach out to your fellow gods if there are any around you. And just speak the language, speak the language, speak the language. Beautiful. Well, I'm just going to hopefully impress you. <laughs> no, maybe not. With my one word of God. Are you well adon? There you oh. go. Thank you so much for giving us my some pleasure. of your time. And for educating us, I've learned so much from listening to you, actually. And I'm going to look at language in a different way now. So this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Identity Series, a collection of profiles that explores what being Ghanaian means to you. The music in this episode is called Life No Day Easy by Chechaku and the Super Pong Stars and is a special remix exclusively for Akadi magazine. Superapong Stars is a high-octane patchwork of Ghana's indigenous genres, including palm wine music, high life, Afrobeat and Afro-funk. You can find out more about the band on their Instagram, Superapong Stars. And if you'd like to listen to more podcasts like this, visit www.akadimagazine.com. Thank you.